I end the uh, message I started with uh, message title, Seven Biblical Principles for Success. Uh, this is the third one, and I'll finish it up tonight by God's grace. Father, we just want to thank you for your love. We thank you for your great kindness. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here tonight. Speak to our hearts. And grant us grace from heaven. It is your will for us to be successful. We receive that from you tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, seven biblical principles for success. And when we talk about success, we're not just talking about financial success. Sometimes people just think about that. But uh, you can have money and be so miserable in life. You can have fame and be miserable. You can have all the money you can have on earth and then you have kids that are constantly in trouble and all of that. Still you still have difficulty. This is success where it affects your life, your children's lives. That doesn't mean troubles will not come. We're always dealing with difficult difficulties. They'll come. Because there is an enemy in the world. But as long as we are standing firm on the word of God, we can be sure that God will come through for us. And so the first principle we discussed, just to go back to recap, first one is find wisdom and understanding. That's saying that we are not born with this kind of wisdom. God's word says, happy is the man who finds wisdom. That's in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 13. So we are not born with this kind of wisdom. But if you can find this wisdom on earth, you will be happy. So we have to search for this. That's why Jesus said to us, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock, the door will be opened. Everyone who asks receives. So we know if we seek for this wisdom, we will receive this wisdom and we will receive the understanding and we will be happy in life. And basically he says to get that, everything is in the word of God. The more of God's word you know, the more wisdom you have in life, how to deal with the issues of life. Because we all have to deal with difficulties, problems. They are constantly coming. You deal with one, you say, oops, this is gone. Thank God. And then you turn around, some other problem. How do you handle all of this? Uh, that's what it is. You wake up happy. It's going to be a great day because of what happened before you went to bed last night. And all, you, the phone rings. You pick up the phone and you back down. <laughs> you're having to deal with another issue. What do we do with this? It's the word of God that gives us that wisdom and understanding to deal with the issues of life. Secondly, make room for mercy and truth in all that you do. Mercy and truth. The Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. So we need both mercy and truth. Not just mercy. That's good. Sometimes we need to apply one. Because the other one is already present. 
when there is when there is, they know the truth, they're trying to do right, but they are still struggling. That's that's not the that's the time to apply mercy because they already know the truth and they are responding to the truth. You can't start giving them truth. They already have that, so there is no need for that. But then. If they really need truth and they just, they have mercy, they know there's God, they have mercy from God and uh, this is the way it is, you know, to give them truth. The Bible says you, we need both of them for salvation. We need both of them. God is a God of mercy. He's, he's a God, he's the same God of truth. He is the truth. The truth is what sets free. But the truth demands mercy for us to be free from the Lord. So we need that. And then the third thing is to have an absolute trust in God. That is so key. It's just trust God for everything. When even when it doesn't make sense. That's why the Bible says trust in the Lord with all of your heart, not your mind, because your mind will respond to everything that you're dealing with. The, 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 what comes in the mail, the telephone call that you receive, somebody that's acting silly, all of that. You have to deal with all of that. But regardless of what trouble you're dealing with, remember that God is in control. So you trust God with all of your heart. I believe that's why the scripture says, if you believe in God, not with your head, but in your heart, you believe with all of your heart and you make confession with your mouth, then you will saved. So we need to trust God absolutely. There are certain situations that come into our lives. We are doing everything that you know to do. You've prayed, you've fasted, you've done everything, you've, you've walked, nothing seems to be working. And we don't understand all of that. That's the head. But in your heart, you're saying, God is. That's the way I console myself. God is. There is a God. I don't know what's happening. Don't know tomorrow. But I know there is a God who knows tomorrow. So he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. If you look to your own understanding and you try to make the calculations, I will not be here by next year, you say to yourself. But God will pull you through. God will cause a miracle to happen. I mean, it may be just one phone call and your situation is completely transformed. Just one phone call. Maybe something comes in the mail. Somebody gives a word to you or somebody does something and, and your life is, is changed. So God can do it. There's nothing that is impossible with God. The Bible tells us with God, nothing shall be impossible. But then you turn it around, God says, all things are possible to him that believes. So trust in the Lord with all your heart, not your head, with all your heart. There is a big difference because the head will play games with you and all the problems you're dealing with. How can we do this? The head tells you, but then find some time to listen to your heart. And your heart will tell you, there is a God and he's my father. He'll take care of me. I don't understand it though. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil because he is with me. It might be difficult. God is with me. He'll take care of me. The next thing, number four, is be good to all men. Mm. Sometimes that can be very difficult. 
<laughs> but be good to all men. God requires that. You can read in Matthew chapter 5. He says, pray for your enemies. Bless those who despitefully use you. And sometimes these things don't make sense. I was telling a story to uh, a couple about um, this girl, kind of a different slant, but uh, the mother was really angry because she's, been, she's brought so much shame to, to, to the family. This was a young girl that was, was actually sleeping with the father's friends. And the, those guys were talking about it. And um, also the brother's friends. And so they were really mad. She was a disgrace to the family, and she was doing crazy stuff. She, the, the mother went to the pastor and said, she's a prostitute. Pastor said, please don't say that. I want you to say good words. I, said, I have nothing good to say about her. She's brought shame to my family. She, that's who she is. She says, change that. Don't say that. Say something good. And pastor was able to convince her, and then he says, please bless your daughter. She started, no, I don't think I can do that. She started, I bless her in Jesus' name, I bless her. But no, pastor, she's truly a prostitute. I can't bless her. She's brought so much shame. But then she started to bless her daughter. And didn't lean on our own understanding and trusted in God. And this girl was way out with one of the father's friends in our hotel. And all of a sudden started to feel bad about what she was doing for the first time. And she said to herself, this is it. I hate what I'm doing. I've really brought so much shame to my family. What am I going to do? Do good. Pray. Do what is right. But she said, well, I'm going to give my mother. She was more scared of her mother than the father. I'm going to give my mother one call. Just one call. One call. If she curses me out, does it. I'll just go. Don't matter no more. If I die, let me die. It's over. I'll just give one call. She was scared to call. But mama has been praying for her blessing her wanting to do good waiting for the opportunity to do good even if it's your own your enemy doesn't matter do good to all men mama had been waiting and mama's heart was changed she was no longer a prostitute she was a princess in mama's mind and so she called mama picked up the phone and she was really scared oh this is it mama's gonna cuss me out and mama said oh how are you daughter Huh? <laughs> is that mama speaking? She didn't say that. That's all she was thinking. This cannot be. And I said, we miss you. And she said, mama, can I come back home? Oh, by all means. You're not mad? No, you're welcome. My mama talked to her nicely on the phone, but she thought it was all, all a joke. This is just a trick. They'll really get me when I get home. But she, she bought the bus and went back home. Mama was, just like the story of the prodigal son, Mama was waiting for her with joy. 
And as soon as she appeared, Mama ran out with joy and hugged her. And then she, at first she thought, this is it, she's going to kill me. <laughs> and Mama hugged her, blessed her, because now she, this was a princess, not the prostitute, started blessing her. And she just broke down and started really crying. A story from Paul Yongicho. He said that woman became one of the pillars of that church, the largest church in the world. You don't know what God would do. That's why God wants do good to all men. Do good. Not evil. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. It's very important to whom it is due. Sometimes you don't, they, don't, they don't deserve. At that time, you have to really know that when it's due and to whom it's not due, sometimes it's, it's, it's not going to help. Happen. It's not going to help. You have to realize when it, you have to be led. Do good to the one when it's due, when it's due to them when it is in your power to do it. Don't say go and come. You can help in the situation at that point and they deserve it. You got to do it. You can't make any excuse. Honor God with your giving. When you give, you honor God. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty. Uh, giving to God is so important. But that's all we covered before now. I go to the sixth one, which I want to discuss tonight, more depth, and then the seventh one. Seventh, sixth one is accept God's discipline. Yes, that's what I'll say too. <laughs> accept God's discipline. Basically, accept God's training. God has to train you. The disciples went through training with the Lord Jesus for three years. And more training. God wants to train you. We train our children. You know, we, we discipline our children as we train them. So that's what it's saying. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. Don't forget the exhortation that speaks to you as a son. And he's quoting now from Proverbs chapter 3. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. So certain times, this is New Testament, sometimes God is going to rebuke you for something that's happening in your life. And the rebuke may not just be in words. <laughs> you just have to recognize this is, this is the Lord. And He's treating you as somebody that's special to Him. We're going to come into you know, more of that as we discuss this. He says, don't get discouraged when God rebukes you. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. As if I haven't had more, <laughs> enough scourgings now, okay? 
But he does that because he loves us. What does this mean? Psalm 94, verse 12 and 13. Blessed is the man whom you instruct. That's part of his training. Blessed is the man whom God instructs, O Lord, and teach out of your law from his word. Sometimes the things that he's teaching you about life doesn't make sense. One of them I just mentioned, doing good to somebody that's really hurting you. He's teaching you. He's instructing you about life. Praying for somebody that is out to get you, and you know it. You're at work, they're trying to get you fired, doing stuff, and God says to pray for them. He placed you there for a reason. He placed that horrible person in your life for a reason. And if you don't get good training from that, you move from there, he'll put you with another one worse than the first one. Because he's trying to develop something in you, and until you go through that, you will continue. You know about the wilderness, the wilderness experience for 40 years? You will continue to go through it over and over again till you learn. Notice something. The, the children of Israel in their wilderness experience, they were very good at one thing, complaining. Uh-huh. They were really good at it. It's born out of unbelief. They complained. And God gets angry. Okay, let's go around the wilderness again. Maybe you'll learn not to complain. They complain again. I mean, think about it. I've said it here before. If God had told them, sons, daughters, please don't worry. When you get to the wilderness, uh, there will be no water sometimes. Or the water will be bitter. But don't worry about it because I'll provide water from the rock. It'd be easy, right? He doesn't tell them that. They get to a place where they're thinking, Hey, what's going on here? Are you going to kill our kids? What's this? And then they complain. He gives them the water, but then he gets mad at them and says, Well, let's go around the wilderness for another year. But notice what happened. Their children learned. The Joshua generation learned from what happened to them. They got trained. They told Joshua, don't be discouraged. Only let God be with you. Whatever you tell us, we will do. You can read it in Joshua 1. Whatever you tell us, we will do. And if there is anyone among us that rebels against your instruction, we will put that man to death. But just allow God to be with you as he was with Moses. That's all we require. Walk with your God as Moses walked with him. But for us, we have learned a good lesson. We are not going to complain. We are not going to rebel. What you tell us is what we'll do. Could you imagine the children of Israel with Moses going through, uh, walking around Jericho for seven days? They'll be saying to Moses, what kind of exercise are you giving us to do? Why do we have to walk around this? But the children, the Joshua generation, no, they won't do that. He told us to do it. We're doing it. They learned from what they saw and what they suffered. 
They lost their parents. See, God wants to train you to develop character in us. Why? Because it's only when we get to that place we can enter into our promised land. When you now have character and you can trust him, you see, they, they couldn't trust him. When he knew they could trust him, then they can now possess their possession. That's why watch Christians that complain a lot, they keep complaining. They leave that church, go to another church, they love it for the first few days, they start complaining again. And watch their lives. No progress. Because they are not listening to the Lord. And they won't accept the training and the discipline. They keep going through difficulties. I've seen, I've seen people going through difficult financial situations. Uh, they come in here and they're arguing with me about, you know, paying tithe is Old Testament. And I'm trying to show them from the world they won't receive. They, God will allow them to prosper for a while. You know what? And then all of a sudden, they go down and they're suffering. They're hurting. can't sleep. Because they won't learn the lesson. God wants you to be consistent. You see, there's one thing that is God prizes above every other thing. Do you know what that is? Faithfulness. Just stay consistent. In and out of season. Basically, if he's looking for you, he knows where to find you. That's what it is. You stay faithful. And that is the training. He's training you because we don't have that in our nature. Because we can't trust him much. But as you go through one problem after another, he said, I've been through this before. I was there the other time. God will deliver me just like he did before. You've, you're trained. You can be patient. You're not worried. You know God is going to come through. How he's going to do it, I don't know. When, I don't know. But he's going to take Will it be painful? Still as painful as before. Would you still have doubts in your head? As before. But your heart knows. He is going to come through. You're trained not to complain. Just like Pastor Andy said tonight. Stop speaking those negative things. Stay with the positive. Look at what God did uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 and 3. It says, and you shall remember the Lord your God. You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Why is he leading them in the wilderness? I thought they were supposed to go into the promised land for 40 years in the wilderness. He was leading them to humble you. So all he was looking for is that come down to a place of humility. You know, humility, humility is saying, God, I can't do it. I'm depending on you totally. That's why Jesus said, until you are converted and become as children. You see, your children depend on you totally. Especially when they are babies. If you don't give them, they have nothing. They're depending on you for training and everything, guidance. Uh, that's humility. God wants us to get. He said, I put you through that to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart. So God still does that. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is going to first 
test you to see if you will change your mind about what he's asked you to do. He'll do it. He calls you into the ministry and you can be successful in one area. He keeps another area dry to see if you will quit. You, you do all of that stuff. You got great results here. And then in this area, it's like nothing is happening. He's training you to trust him in that area that is very crucial for the ministry. This part, you've already been trained. So you're doing well. But he's going to dry up this part so that you will learn to trust him in that part. Then you have a whole ministry. But what do people do? When he's walking in that way, in this area, and he's not working, it must not be God. I must have made a mistake. So I'm going to quit now. You can't quit. You stay faithful. To humble you to know what was in your heart. Whether you will keep his commandment. That means keep his words or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger. You see, when God wants to humble you, he will allow you to suffer some hunger and see what you will do with it. You're going to complain? That's one of the key ways God uses to humble a man. No matter how big you are. There are people who are multi-billionaires, or multi-millionaires, but they have so much debt and so much tied up, they can't do anything. They have all the assets, but they're tied up somehow. <laughs> So God can even humble a man in that, in, in that level. Bring them down where they, are, they have to depend on him. And cry out to him. He said, I allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna. If you trust him, he'll make you go through hunger, but he'll take care of you. Make sure you eat him. It may not be steak every Sunday, but you'll be eating. He'll take care of you. Man, I wish you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that, you, that man shall not live by bread alone, but man sh- lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Basically, all the difficulty, the discipline, is just to help you get to a place where no mat- nothing matters. If he's in the world, no matter what I'm experiencing, I'm going to stay with that. No matter what's happening in my life, I stay with the word. It doesn't make sense. I'm staying with the word. Everything you're going through, the hunger, the pain, everything. The misunderstanding, all of that. All God is trying to do, even when it's difficult. All he's trying to do is to help you to depend on his word. That man does not live. That's the training. The training is really to get you to a place where you totally trust God's word and you live by his word, no matter what's going on. When you're sick, you know to trust God's word. When the doctors give you the report, you know, well, I know that, but I'm going to trust God's word. When there's financial difficulty, God will take care of me. I will still continue to give. I know God will come through for me. You are depending on his word. That's what the training is all about. But sometimes can, God can take it a little bit further when it comes to training. <laughs> and this time it's not real pleasant. 
that's because you are not you've not been paying attention that's what happened to the children of Israel in the wilderness they all died in the wilderness they didn't learn and it behooves those that are watching what's going on to learn from what's happening and begin to do what is right I'm going to read a scripture here really important first Corinthians chapter 11 verse uh, 30 through 32 this is about the communion but it goes with discipline from God also for this reason many are weak they were not doing something right I'm sure God has spoken to them through his Holy Spirit they won't listen they wanted to do their own thing he says for this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep meaning they died you just God let them die in other words, they didn't fulfill their destiny here. God says, you can come home. You can learn, dummy, come back home. You'll be okay here. <laughs> so many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, that means you refuse to judge yourself. When we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. So when God judges you, he knows if you continue with this, if you go home to be with him, he knows if you continue with this, there is a chance this is not going to go very well. So come home. Come back home. If you're alive and you're supposed to be strong, you're weak or you're sickly, it could be God. It could be, not every time, but it could be God is trying to get your attention. Stop. Do this. It could be. But that's what the scripture is saying. It's because you're not doing things right. Some of you are truly weak. Some of you are sick. And some of you actually go, they go home to be with the Lord. So God has a way of getting our attention. He behooves us to quickly listen to what he's saying. And that's just plain repentance. God, I'm sorry. I'm going to go this direction now. That's all. No big deal. God, I'm sorry. And I believe that if you're doing something that God doesn't like, you already know. The Holy Spirit lets you know. So you don't have to go out fishing for, I'm God, am I doing something wrong? Please let me know. No, he lets you instantly, the spirit of your father in you lets you know this is not right. You speak a word and, and it may sound right, but it, it, you know you didn't mean it from your heart. The Holy Spirit will let you know. You know you said that, but you really didn't mean it. Is that ever happened to you? <laughs> You already know. And, and you can turn around, God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. And he's, he's walking with us. But when, when, when you insist on something, then that's when things become difficult. And I read this part on, on Sunday. He put a, some, a stumbling block in front of you to see if you will change. Stumble and turn the other direction. Last thing is refuse to be afraid. Refuse to be afraid. God cannot work in your life if you are the fearful type. Because you are going to be dealing with a lot of difficulties. And usually he sits and brings these things to you. The respo- your response, your initial response, has a lot to do with what's go- what the outcome is going to be. Your initial response. He, he lets the enemy know 
what's in your heart. Whether you know what God says or you're just going to... If you respond in a lot of panic, he knows, he knows he's got you good. He knows he's got you good. God may want you to leave that job. He has a better job for you. So they are threatening to fire you. And they fire you. And you always go, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You're hyperventilating and say, what am I going to do? Oh, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? And you can't sleep. He knows you're flicky. There's nowhere to go with this. But if you have the attitude, well, now they fired me. I know the reason God has something better for me. Something's better coming. When? I don't know. You keep your head up. And you're trusting God. God, there's no way they could have fired me unless you got something for me. So you go back and you're telling him that. Never respond with fear. Years ago, uh, when Toju was born, and I said this here before, God has a way of dealing with people, and it's not because of me. But when I was teaching Sunday school in uh, Georgia, I had this Sunday school class, and I read this scripture in class where the Bible says, uh, um, God will bless the fruit of your, of your womb. So I asked my class uh, who the object of the blessing was, the mother or the child. They agreed with me that it was the child. That was the object of the blessing. Blessed shall be the fruit of the womb. The fruit, the fruit of the womb is the child, right? So the child is blessed. At that time, I was having a lot of struggles with people giving birth to, you know, with defects and stuff like that. I was struggling with that. And I was rejecting that stuff. That, it, that shouldn't happen to us. This is the enemy's work. Even though it happens, God can work with it and, you know, get it out. I was not married far from getting married then. That was 1980-something, maybe 1985. I got married in 1991. So I was far, but I, was, I had my mind fixed against that thing. I hated it. Why should you have a child that, whose liver doesn't work? And then I have to deal with this thing all the rest of my life. I hated it. So I mentioned it in class, and my class told me, Pastor, but a good luck. We have been accepting everything you've been saying, but this one, you are taking it too far. <laughs> this is too far. But I stood my ground because we had a child in church that had uh, the same kind of problem, and so everybody was into that, and what I was saying sounded kind of harsh. And, but I said, well... I understand the situation, and by the way, that child died, and I felt bad because we had so many miracles that God did as God was changing that child's life. But then, here in Houston, I gave birth, my wife gave birth to my son, Toju, and guess what? They said he might not live. If he lives, he probably won't go past uh, 15. Your life is going to be changed. His liver doesn't work. There is no tube connecting the liver to the intestine, they said. And they did all the tests. They'll take me to the medical center and be showing me. Angela has um, a sister that's a, a pediatrician, pediatrician, and a brother also that he's smart. And they'll come and they're telling me what's going on. And I'll be looking at them as they're telling me. And I said, that thing is not going anywhere. That's my son. 
it's not going to work. And uh, my sister-in-law, the one in Longview, she said, are you saying my husband doesn't know what he's talking about? I said, I didn't say that. Your husband is truly right. I'm just telling you, I dealt with this problem long ago when I was in Georgia. And he's not going anywhere. My son is going to be fine. Then the next day you get a call from Austin. They say, well, you better get ready. Your boy is going to be mentally retarded all the rest of his life. It's true. From Austin. And I sit back and say, forget this nonsense. That's, he is the object of the blessing and nothing is going to happen. And the last time before they did the surgery, they, they were going to cut his intestine and join it use part of his intestine to join, uh, to make a tube connecting the liver to his uh, intestine. But they told us, you better find some support group from the internet because your life is going to be different from this day on, ever. You, you, you have to stay with this child till he dies. Uh, yeah, good. Not my child. Doctor opened the child up, and uh, Pastor Kendall was with us in the hospital, we were just joking. I refused to listen to that. My child was going to be fine. And they came back and said, well, the doctor said, we find a tiny thing. It looked like a thread. Uh, we're not too sure if it's the tube, but uh, we flushed it. And uh, we just closed them up and see. You know, because there was no, t- no tube when... He uses the bathroom. He let me use, the, use that word. What you see is totally white. You know, like, just like that. After he came from the hospital, now you, this is so important. After he came from the hospital, it was as yellow. You know what I mean? And I was running around the house. Angel Lebar, look at this poopo. He looks good. He looks <laughs> Yellow poopoo, it's wonderful, God, wow. It's, we were running around the house and said, God has healed him. My boy is great. But they had a lot of medication for him. And guess what? After two, we go back and it's as white as that again. And they've already done the surgery, closed it back up. So what do you do? Because he reversed again to the white one. And we pump him with medication that they gave him help. Finally, Angela, you can talk to Angela. Angela decided we just threw these things away. We threw all of it away. Told you he's still alive. You see him in church here. <laughs> he, he says, Daddy, was this mark on my belly? What happened? We had to tell him what happened. But the point is God is faithful. Amen. Don't respond in fear. That was what I would not do. My sister-in-law especially, he, she's very aggressive. She pushed me one time in the living room in our home. So finally I told her. And when, when they opened the child and they saw that, she called from Iowa and said, it's just like what you said. That gave us some faith. There is a God. God can do bigger things than doctors. So don't respond in fear. God said to Joshua in Joshua 1 verse 9, Have I not commanded you be strong and of a good courage? Do not be afraid. I commanded you not to be afraid. Did you know that not to be afraid is a commandment from God? You have been commanded not to be afraid of whatever. Just don't be afraid. 
because if you are afraid, you won't be successful? Have I not, God says, am I the one, am I not the one that's commanding you? This is a commandment, just obey. I am God, don't be afraid. I'll take care of you. And don't be dismayed. Even if it's terrible, don't get so dismayed and cry and cry. You've given the enemy room. How can I pay my bill? Things are piling up on me. What am I going to do? God says, don't be dismayed. Don't allow it. Now, if you do it, guess what? You take God out of the picture. If you are going to be dismayed, please don't pray. There's no need to pray. Stay in your misery. But if you're going to pray, then stop doing that. Stop doing that. God says, don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, no matter what. And take courage. I'm going to be with you. I'll take care of the problems. Now, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 25 and 26 says, Do not be afraid of sudden terror. All of a sudden you receive something in the mail, you're frightened. God says, don't be afraid of sudden terror. That's the way the enemy wants to do it. Everything is fine. All of a sudden something happens and you want to be terrified. God says, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't be afraid. Do I have temptation to be afraid? Oh, yes. We all do. But don't take it. Just don't accept it. It says, do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. So when trouble comes, it's coming from the enemy. God says, you want to be in a good place and, and be able to overcome this trouble? Just don't be afraid of it. Refuse to be afraid. And they tell the Lord, God, I am not afraid. Help me not to be afraid. You know what that means? Lord, I believe, help my own belief. Because your head is going to be telling you, you are in real trouble. How are you going to get through this? And we're humans. I go through it. You can't stop those thoughts from coming in. So what I want to do is go to a quiet place and drown those thoughts by yelling by myself. Yelling out loud against what I'm hearing, quoting the scriptures that you speak against those things. Because God cannot fail. Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked from the wicked when it comes. Not if it comes, when it comes. It's gonna come. For the Lord will be your confidence. <laughs> I like that. The Lord will be your confidence. When you stay with God, you will be confident that God is gonna do something about this and will keep your foot from being caught. He's not gonna let you a trapped in that situation. There is going to be a way in the wilderness for you to come through. Every one that comes, every trouble that comes from the enemy. Psalm 91, which I'll close with tonight. It says, you shall, verse 5 and, uh, through 7, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walk in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday, a thousand may fall on your side and ten thousand on your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Do we believe these scriptures? Do they really come near us? They do come near us in the natural. You see? They do. In the natural, 
they seem like they are coming near us. But you need the spiritual eye just like uh, Gehazi. You remember him? Elisha? They have all these soldiers around them. And the guy went out and uh, looked and says, Hey, alas, master, what are we going to do? We're surrounded. We got a great army around us. Just, just us. And the, the, the prophet said, Those that are with us are more than... More than those that are against us. And this young man was looking at him and said, those that are with us are more one, two. What are you talking about? It's just two of us. He says, Lord, open his eyes. Then he come down. It may seem as if he's coming very near you. He's not really close. Amen? Because you're surrounded. By God's own army. And will take care of you. We're humans. I mean the, the same thing as you are. I have to remind myself of these scriptures. Whenever I'm dealing with issues that are way beyond me. What am I going to do right now? If you want confession. I'm dealing with it. We're building a church in Nigeria. That's going to cost thousands of dollars. And then we, we have to transport um, the medication. Angela said 50 boxes have come. We probably need at least $4,000 or so. That's what we used the last time to transport all of those things. We have to have a finished building there. When we get there, we have to have people to work with us. But it's the Lord's work. He's going to take care of it. How? I don't have a clue. You know what the, fun, the funny thing is? In your mind, you want to count the number of days. This is August. So how many days do we have in September? Oh, no. And we're going to go in October 9th. Will the building be ready? Will we be able to raise that much money? You see, those things can cause you to be sleepless. You're wondering about it. <laughs> so I'm dealing with all of these things, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself tonight, <laughs> Okay. He said, God, I've got to trust you. You will do it. He's bigger than myself. He's going to do it. And God will. He'll come through. But as I go through that, when the Lord does it, I've learned a good lesson. I have been trained. Amen? I'm not going to be going for just the church. Maybe I'll be going for a cathedral. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> not to build a church anymore. That's what you want to do. Because, hey, God did it the last time. He can do it again. Amen? So we can trust God. So regardless of what you're going through tonight, don't look to it. You have a God that's bigger than whatever it is. If he's trouble, he's probably trying to squeeze you out of where you are to some place that's better for you. Amen? It's painful when you've been squeezed. But when he releases you, you'll be feeling really good. Many times we look back and we say, God, I wish I knew that was what you were doing. My attitude would have been different. Well, sorry, it's too late. Stand up with me. Let's maintain a good attitude all the way, trusting in God. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Please, let's worship the Lord and just tell him how good he is. 
especially if you're dealing with something right now just tell him how much you trust him and that you're not going to pay attention to what the enemy is doing that you trust him he'll take care of you if he has to do with relationships he is able to he created people he can walk in the heart he can change the situation no matter what the problem is god is able he does miracles he is the miracle worker he does all things well so we can thank him for it father we thank you you are so perfect you do not consider our weaknesses you never consider our failures the mistakes that we've made when we turn to you you take those mistakes you change them into testimonies for your glory Lord we thank you tonight we acknowledge your presence in our lives and we are saying tonight that we believe that regardless of what's happening in our lives you have taken full control and we refuse to be afraid because we have you with us if God be for us who can be against us all things are working together for our good we don't understand it fully but we trust you and we love you father because we know you truly love us we hide in your love tonight and we receive encouragement from your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.